Hey guys, it's me, it's Billy Bonzari, and you're listening to OMG with Billy Bonzari. This week, we are talking Beckham's on film, Kylie's Vegas residency, Northwest for ID, which was amazing, and Dua Lipa's new single, Houdini. Welcome aboard. Hey guys, what's the quack, my loves? How is everyone? I hope you guys are having a gorgeous day, week, month, year. Um, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for all the love on last week's episode. Thanks for all the shares. Thanks for all the rates. Um, just thanks for all the love on it because to be honest, it's been it's been a tough one. We've been working our arses off and I'm really kind of getting into my groove, I feel. Like I haven't started even, but I hopefully will. Um, and everyone's support means the world. So yeah, I'm just really excited. I just love my new era. I'm going to speak a lot about eras on this week's episode. And no, I do not mean Taylor Swift. I will never speak about Taylor Swift on this podcast. So let that be known, my loves. Um, we're going to talk about my eras first. Why not? Um, I am in a new era, which is super, super exciting, nerve-wracking, scary, but also thrilling, my love. Um, I made a big decision last week. Um, I didn't really do much last week, to be honest. I know I said that there was going to be tales from behind the decks and beyond, um, of which there weren't really many from last week, but I did make a massive life decision and I decided to finish up in my job, which was such a hard decision to come to, but also just felt like the next kind of step for me. I've obviously been super, super busy just gigging and doing lots of different things and kind of giving everything 10% really, to be honest, which I hated that, that that was kind of the way things went, but I just had far too much on my plate and I just kind of decided to follow my passion. So I'm nervous and excited, but it feels really, really right. I had the best time ever at Not Another. I met the most amazing people. I worked with the most amazing people, but I definitely feel like I just need to pursue this little time for me you know, um, so super, super excited, like I said, and yeah, hopefully we'll get lots of things booked in, in the meantime, um, but at least I'll have time to kind of really focus and hone in on projects, which I just haven't been able to be doing, so yeah, I'm in my new era, I also started personal training, which is such a new era for me, like I've never been a gym girly, ever, I don't think I've ever been in a gym in my life, ever, I follow every personal trainer in Dublin on Instagram. Let that be known, my love. But I'm not looking at their, uh, you know, fitness content. Well, I am, but I'm also not. Anyway, I started training with Big Johnny Slovak, who is the icon, the moment. If you know, you know. Um, he's been amazing. I went to his studio today, which is like, you know, those, um, you know, those like bro pages on Instagram. It's like, uh, you know, to be like a picture of Patrick Bateman, like not in an ironic way, like he's God. It's that kind of vibe. Um, I'll give you guys a little hint of some of the slogans that are on the wall. First of all, there's a big massive Irish flag, which is Gorge, and then a Slovakian flag, which is also Gorge. Um, There's a poster saying, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Dream big, work hard, make it happen. Another one, this is my personal favorite, big picture of a lion. I feel like the big boys love to associate themselves with either lions or like apes, is it? Random, but go off, brethren. Um, this one said, I didn't come this far to only come this far. Chilling. Just chilling. Gorge. Um, anyway, yeah, that I have my free time to myself. I just said, why not get into my gym era? So all you gym bunnies out there, hang up your ears because it's my time. Um, but no, it's really fun. I just kind of want to get a new routine going. So Johnny asked, would I like him to train me? So I said, yes, Johnny. And the first thing he said to me was, do you want to put on some music? Aren't you supposed to be a DJ? And I was like, get that fire exit door, I'm in. So I put on Celebration by Madonna and we worked up a sweat and it just felt amazing. So more on that as it comes. Maybe next week I'll be telling you guys that I haven't been back, but who knows. So before we get to the Beckhams on film, which is going to be a look back at the documentaries that they put out in the past, of which there are many, and they are gorgeous and camp and over the top and really insightful and really fabulous. Um, But before we get to those... We are going to talk about Kylie's Vegas residency, Northwest for ID, and Dua Lipa's new single, Houdini. So Kylie started her Vegas residency during the week um, at the Voltaire Room at the Venetian Hotel. 
which is essentially a, a new concert venue space in the Venetian. Really glam, really gorge, really over the top, really Vegas, like nauseatingly so. Vegas is, let's just say it's not on my number one list of places in the world that I want to go to. I feel like it's, I feel like it's the Dubai of the United States. So read into that what you will, not pour moi, but I have to say I would love to see Kylie. I really hope that she tours with this new album. Her album's been doing so well. Like Kylie's just been having such a moment. She's also nearly 40 years into her career. So to see that happen for her is just amazing. She's definitely like the the kind girl in the class of the pop girlies. Like she's the sweet one, you know, she's friends with everyone. She's friends with the teachers. She's friends with your parents. She's a good time gal. Like you'll have a good time if you go to a party with her, but your parents won't be like worried that you're going to a party with her. I think she's that kind of gal, but she's had an amazing career. And just to see this album do so well, I'm fucking like go off sis. I think as well, I think she's the girly for a Vegas residency. I think everything about her just kind of says showgirl. Obviously she did the showgirl tour in 2005, which was so amazing. And then like, I think her production since then have really kind of amped up the camp in that sense. So the show has been amazing. I think it's just her in her prime, in her era, where she should be. Um, the production designer, Derek McLean, he worked previously on Moulin Rouge. Oh my God. And the 2023 Met Gala. So it's just been an absolute blast. I've been loving seeing all the clips on Twitter. She looks amazing. She sounds amazing. But I did see an email that I got sent from one of my informers that I wanted to talk about because I just thought it was kind of weird like just Vegas all over really to be honest um okay let me dig this up so we're going to call the person the recipient of this email we're going to call them x oh my god this is fun I feel like Harriet's spy okay are you ready good afternoon x thank you for contacting volunteer guest services we do apologize for any in- inconvenience that this may cause but no t-shirts will be permitted in the venue Per venue policy, the dress code for a volunteer is chic and elegant. We want you to look your best and feel confident in our exclusive venue. Upscale, fashionable cocktail or business casual attire required. Like, fuck off. Vegas, the tackiest place in the world. Tacky onasses. Like, shut up. Anyway, the, the email goes on to read. The following attire is prohibited. No torn, cut off, baggy attire or stained clothing. No offensive prints. Like, all I can think of when I think of offensive prints is today's fucking fashion. Balenciaga everywhere, Louis Vuitton. Like, it's so outrageous and grotesque. But like, oh, imagine putting that out in your, like, your messaging for your brand. No tank tops, chains, swimwear, robes or towels. Like, I don't think anyone's going to rock up to the Kylie concert in a fucking robe or a towel. But then again, also, you just wouldn't know. No shorts, no athletic wear, including, but not limited to, Gym shorts, sweatpants, hats, etc. I kind of stand by that. I actually do. I'm sick of the gym gear everywhere. Good night and God bless. No workout boots or sandals and then highlighted. No t-shirts of any kind. Like, that's violent. You're hosting Kylie Minogue. Like, for the gays, like, pop concert, pop music, t-shirts of their girly faves. That's everything. Like, that has to have put a lot of people out. Um, they also went on to say, we will not have any Kylie Minogue merchandise available for purchase at our venue. Please keep in mind, oh my God, this is like violent. Please keep in mind, this is an exclusive and upscale venue. Oh my God, guys, can you imagine? Management reserves all rights to respectfully decline entry if guest attire does not meet a minimum acceptable standard. So fuck Vegas to be honest it's not that I ever wanted to go previously but I definitely wouldn't be going now like that's absolutely viola obviously it's not reflection on Kylie I doubt that her or her team knew that they were such party poopers really to be honest like get over yourself it's Las Vegas like literally tacky Onassis have a ball um but the show looked amazing Kylie sounded amazing she looks amazing she kind of spends a lot of time in the crowd Lisa Vanderpump was at opening night which is just a little nugget that I absolutely loved um, but that's a fucking mad email to get. Shove it up your arse, Claudine. Anyway, Northwest for ID. This has been everywhere, to be honest, as it should be. But I just thought her answers were so funny. Now, it is kind of conflicting because she's essentially a 10-year-old. And it's like, it's wild to think how famous and like recognizable a 10-year-old can be. Like, obviously, her parents are super, super famous. And I think with most celebrities of their stature, like, you know, you know names. 
and maybe kind of vague likeness, but like they're not necessarily their own celebrity until they get to the age where they can be. I don't know what Kim's kind of process has been, but I think from the very start, she's just kind of, you know, presented us with North as a fully fledged bona fide star, which she absolutely is. So I'm kind of here for it because she is gas. She's charismatic. She's witty. She's creative. Like if her artwork is to be believed that it's actually her, she's a fucking prodigy. I don't think there's anything that Northwest can do, but it is kind of funny to think how wildly famous she is. Um, I think when your dad is Kanye West and your mom is Kim Kardashian, like, I mean, it's just perfect. Um, So I'm going to read you guys out some of my faves from the interview because these are just fucking gas. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Um, The best ever. If you could meet any person, who would it be? Tupac. Do you have any other hobbies? Yes. Going shopping for people? Like, who is she talking about? Who is she going shopping for? Obsessed. Basketball, but it's not a hobby. It's a lifestyle. And yes, I just love basketball so much. Like, oh, basketball is not a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Go off, Cistern. This is my all-time fave. And it's such a question that you get asked when you're a kid. Like, I remember my um, my get-out-of-jail card for this one was, I used to say, fashion designer. Like, when anyone would ask me what I wanted to be when I was older, when I was, like, 10, I used to say, fashion designer. Because I, I kind of thought that that was just, like, it used to kind of make people uncomfortable because they'd be just like, okay, no further questions for this one. Do you know what I mean? Like, fuck off, Brenda. Anyway, what do you want to be when you're older? A basketball player? A rapper? Mm, well, when I was seven, I wanted to be a boxer but now I don't want to be a boxer. I'm going to do art on the side. When I'm like 13, I want to walk dogs to make money to buy art supplies because everything around here is so expensive. So a rapper, a basketball player, and I'm going to make artwork that I sell. Also, one day I want to own Yeezy and Skims. I want to be a business owner. And that she will be like, oh, I'm obsessed. I love that she's like conscious of how expensive things are in LA. Rapper, basketball player, Skims, Yeezy. Like, I don't think there's anything this girl won't do. But also, I do think it's kind of interesting I think she could take the route of completely bound out at like 19. Like not even 19, younger, because she's been really, really famous for a really, really long time at such a young age. I think she could be like 16 and be like, I'm literally going to live in the mountains of Tibet. And I'm going to chant and do sound therapy and just throw it all to the wind. Because that does happen. Like if you think of um, the Olsons, who I adore, who I hope to speak about lots on this podcast, like they totally bowed out at like 19 and just said, go and fuck yourself and came up with the row, which is the most amazing luxury brand. But they definitely don't court fame or adulation because they had it so much when they were younger. So I think it's just the classic tale of kind of growing up with something and wanting it versus not. So I definitely think it'll be interesting to see her trajectory, but I am so here for Northwest. And the pictures as well, like she looked like a child, like there was nothing kind of shady. She just looked really funny and gorge. And yeah, she's just an icon. She really is an icon. Okay, guys, it's time to talk about Dua Lipa. I didn't want to have to do this. I have mixed, no, do you know what? I don't have mixed feelings. And like no shade. I don't think Dua Lipa's going to listen to this episode and be devastated that Billy Bunzari doesn't give her two thumbs up but I don't fuck with Dua Lipa. I really don't. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people. Like, they'll think they like Dua Lipa and then I'll say, really? <laughs> I don't mean like that, but I just mean, she does, to me, she just doesn't grab me. She doesn't speak to me. I think she's a bit dead behind the eyes. I just feel like the pop music is amazing. Like, she had one of the biggest albums of all time in with future nostalgia. Like it was absolutely everywhere and it was exceptional music. I think her team are amazing. I think her team are absolutely amazing. I think everything she does is to a really, really high level. But having said that, I just don't buy, I just don't pick up what she's putting down because I feel like there is a vacancy behind her eyes. You know, it's a really, really gorgeous house, but there's no one home. And I just keep walking down the street. Put it that way. Anyway, by the time you're listening to this podcast, the single will be out. It's called Houdini. She's been teasing it kind of for the last week. The Instagram blackout, the promo picture has gone up and taken down. People criticizing her for not flossing, like Twitter is such a cesspit. It's produced by Tame Palace, Kevin Parker. And I have to say, just from the teaser alone, it does sound like an exceptional song. It sounds like an absolute masterpiece. The synths are to die for. Literally a 30 second clip is all I heard. But if she is, if it is kind of 
reminiscent of the whole album. It sounds like she's kind of taken that Cindy 80s vibe slightly to a darker place, which I think is an amazing progression if that's what it is. Obviously, you'll never be able to tell until you listen to the full album. And I think she's going to do kind of some pieces that will kind of shock us. But that's definitely what I got from the teaser, dark, synthy, maybe like Transylvanian Europop, which is just always gorge by me. But again, I just wish I could kind of latch onto her vocals and her words. Because I definitely think she's a great songwriter. I just don't really believe in anything she says. I listened to an, in- do you know what? I listened to a podcast that she was on years ago, like years ago. And it was just the most boring thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, I'm sure there's people sitting at home saying, is he for real? This is the worst piece of shite I've ever heard in my life. But I'm just a girl trying to do her bits. She's supposed to be a superstar. I need more from my superstars. But anyway, best of luck with your single, Dua. Okay, guys. So it's on to the Beckhams. When I was a little girl, I always wanted to be famous. But I had no idea what it would be like being Victoria Beckham. Okay, I, uh, I do kind of have PTSD after all my research this week. I never want to see Victoria Beckham's face again. But that will only last for two or three days. And then I will be back all over her because I do love that woman so much. Um, Obviously, the Netflix documentary went out in the autumn and everyone was absolutely obsessed. It broke records. It was number one in every country. And I think that just goes to speak to the popularity that they hold. They literally are the royal family of like pop culture, entertainment, sports, fashion. Like their reach is just absolutely wild. And they're both really gorgeous. To be honest, David Beckham, if he was a Spice Girl, I'd probably call him Dull Spice or like no Spice at all. You know, he's lovely. He is gorgeous. There's definitely been numerous accusations of infidelity throughout his career, throughout the years, throughout their marriage, should I say. Um, But I do think they're a solid couple. Um, I hope she's had her fun as well. That's all I'll say. Um, But there is something really, really lovable about them. And I know the kids get a lot of stick. But they are a nice family. They kind of remind you of that family on your road. You know, like the golden nuclear family. Like in movies and stuff. Like the great jobs that everyone waves at them on the road. And like they're always really smart and neatly dressed. And like kind and empathic. And like, it's like they never have fights. You never hear fucking, you know, plates being thrown at the walls. They're kind of that family. But also gas in their own way. And I think at the heart of the family is obviously always the mother. And I think Victoria Beckham is mother. She is mother. She's hilarious. She's witty. She's talented. She has an amazing business savvy head on her shoulders. When the Spice Girls dropped their manager um, at the height of their fame in 1997, like she famously took the fucking reins and she was on the phone organizing contracts onto Pepsi. The whole team was taken out from under them because essentially the team were employed by 19 management, not by the Spice Girls. So when they got rid rid of the management, they also got rid of everyone around them. And she famously kind of just took everyone on and kind of sorted the whole thing out was going through contracts. So I think she doesn't get enough kudos for being that person. She's an absolute businesswoman. She's hilarious. She's funny. And no one has a hair era like Victoria Beckham. And the same with David, to be honest. And like, through all my research, that's one thing that really stood out to me. They're all about their hair and their looks. And it's so amazing to be able to look back through the years and just to kind of see the evolution of their hair. Like, I honestly got thinking, I was like, do you know what would be really gorgeous? An exhibition in a gorgeous space somewhere, a gallery somewhere, New York. Okay, I'm going to set the scene. And it's literally like blown up massive. Now, I mean fucking colossal pictures of David and Victoria Beckham since they first got engaged to now. And it's all their hair. It's literally just like pictures of them together and separate. But it's all about the hair. Because like what a time they've had. It's just been era after era. And I've been looking back on their previous documentaries which is essentially what Beckham's on film is all about. And it was just how apparent. And I just thought, oh my God, these guys really know how to mark a new era in their life with a haircut or a colour or an extension as our pal Vicky B is not, is no stranger to. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. I brought you a cookie. Oh, thank you very much. I want to see you eat it. Oh no, I can't. I don't want to ruin my image. Okay, so obviously the Beckham documentary was everywhere, but I do have a list of Beckham documentaries that I often hit up on youtube for just pure comfort do you know when you're just like lying on your couch you want something gas to watch that's not going to really take much brain power um it's one of those kind of things for me the beckhams have always been a source of comfort in my life what the fuck am i talking about 
But these documentaries really, really are gas. So what we're going to be talking about today is being Victoria Beckham, released in March of 2002. The Real, stylized as The Real, Beckham's, released in December of 2003. And Victoria Beckham, Coming to America, released in July of 2007. Also, two honorary mentions for the World Cup documentaries. They're not documentaries on the World Cup, should I have said, World Cup parties. The first released in 2002, the second being 2006, 2006 World Cup. What a time. The WAG ban. There's definitely a whole episode on that coming up. Um, but basically, they used to do these big, massive, over-the-top, ostentatious World Cup like fundraiser parties for charities, essentially like their own wedding um, in Beckingham Palace and celebrities there were. And they raised loads of money and there was loads of gorgeous dresses and designers and celebrities and champagne. And like, you know, one of those like 19,000 champagne glasses have been used over this weekend. It's that kind of vibe. So you can imagine how amazing they are. I'll definitely leave the link to each documentary in the show notes um, because they are just next level. And again, it's the hair journey that I'm here for that we see in both documentaries bit of a background to where Victoria Beckham was in her life, in her career, in her personal life, professional life at the time. Um, famously, she kind of had the least successful solo career of all the Spice Girls. The Spice Girls really did go on to do big things, namely Jerry, who took the most number ones. Of course, I think that girl's sheer determination would just propel her onto anything that she ever thought of doing. Um, Mel C is still a, a really, really respected and adored touring act. Um, Mel B had her own little thing going. Um, and Emma had a couple of like nice camp kind of 60s doo hits I don't think she's you know Lady Gaga let's just say but she did always come out with like a nice visual a nice video a catchy pop song and she's done her best um, Victoria's first ever single was Out of Your Mind by True Steppas featuring Dane Bowers and herself which is just bizarre to think of like it was a garage track now I have to say it's an absolute belter Thinking you were someone special Time has shown and now I know how wrong I have been Always feeling like you're using me, confusing me to time and me I can remember Cuckoo Bananas, camp, over the top, ridiculous, gorgeous, everything I want from a single from the year 2000. Um, this was the time also, the early 90s, when record labels or artists would go head to head in... Um, in a battle for the number one spot on the UK charts, which is just amazing to think back. Like, I remember the publicity trails that people would go on. Jerry Halliwell famously kissed Chris Evans for her number one. It's been reported. People just would go bananas. Record labels would spend hundreds of thousands on these campaigns to get their artists number one. But, but both record labels would be happy, obviously, because the number two is just behind and they'd sell millions of units. Again, this was pre-Spotify, pre-MP3, really... There was obviously downloads, but you weren't. You were in Virgin Megastores, you were in HMV, and you were buying singles. Um, so True Step was featuring Dane Bowers on Victoria Beckham, went up against Spiller's Groove Jet featuring Sophie Ellis Bexter, one of the nicest tracks in the world. I actually think it's one of the nicest tracks in the world. And I really mean nicest in the best way. It's just lovely. It's gorgeous. It's Ibiza. It's naughties. It's soulful. It's disco. It's just everything I need from a track. Obviously, it took the top spot and Victoria Beckham and Dane Bowers, True Steppers, ended up in the number two slot. But like I said, everyone was happy. It really was genius. It really was the time of record labels just going cuckoo bananas. Her next release was A Mind of Its Own, which was released on the 11th of February 2002 and hit number six in the UK charts. Obviously, not a great chart position at the time. Um, she followed that up with her last ever single release, which was a double A side, and it was Let Your Head Go and This Groove, which was released in December of 2003, and it hit number three in the charts. So not too bad. And Let Your Head Go, to be honest, is actually a bit of a belter. Kind of gives Danny Minogue. It's that kind of dance era vibe. Um, the video is outrageously camping over the top, and I think it was just really fun to see her lean into that. A Mind of Its Own, it's more of like a ballad. Features a lot in this particular documentary being Victoria Beckham. And then Out Your Mind is just Cuckoo Bananas. Bonkerville, but I absolutely love it. She was still very determined to be a solo star and to, to really make it. I think as well, looking at the other girls in the band, she never kind of mentions them in any of these documentaries, but you can't help but imagine that she would be kind of conscious of their chart positions, especially Jerry, who was absolutely slaying it. Um, and they really didn't seem to have a great relationship around the time of the early 90s. 
Jerry and Victoria, like I said, were really famously close. Victoria had a really funny upbringing, to be honest. Not that she had a really funny upbringing. She had a very funny kind of adolescent teenage life. She was always an outsider. She always kind of felt like the the odd one out. She wasn't necessarily gorgeous in by her own words. She wasn't charismatic. She wasn't super talented at anything in particular. And she didn't really have a lot of friends. She was kind of pretty enmeshed with her parents, to be honest. And her family life always kind of came first. She didn't really do very much outside of the home. But what she did was stage school and performing arts. And she really, really loved that. I think that was kind of where she could go to do her own thing, to kind of be herself. She wasn't, like I said, the most talented, but she would stay back the longest and kind of really learn dance routines and work her horse off. And that's obviously gotten her to where she is today. So, so commendable. But it is kind of interesting to look back at her teenage years. Like she was famously engaged to this guy called Mark for a few years when she was like 19. And obviously went tits up. Real funny dynamic. He lived in the parents' house with Victoria's mom and dad. She was in college in a flat somewhere. Like just a bit bizarre. Um, she didn't really have many friends. She definitely didn't have a best friend until she met Jerry. She said when she met Jerry, that was the first time she felt like she had a best friend. When Jerry left the Spice Girls on the 31st of May, 1998, they were all obviously devastated just in terms of like their own career and the brand as a whole, which was literally had taken over the world at this stage. But I think Victoria took it really, really personal against Jerry that she hadn't talked about it. They knew she wanted to leave at some stage, but just it was so sudden. So there was definitely hard feelings there that we will kind of touch on as they come up throughout the documentaries. But um, it all ends very well. You'd be glad to hear. I got to turn round and I had hot pants on that were going right up my bum. And it's like, you can't exactly go, get out of there. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. So obviously the documentary is all around Victoria, but obviously David features so heavily. They both feature so heavily in each other's life that um, it's essentially a Beckham documentary of the two of them. But it does start off with them on the couch. You know, we're real normal. There's like Pringle in the background. You can't help but imagine that it was all very much so put together. Basically, David essentially says he fancies Tom Cruise. He said he's good looking in a... And I just thought that was really funny because it kind of preempted their relationship in later years that they would want to have when the Beckhams did finally come to America. When David went to play with LA Galaxy in 2007, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes were a couple that really took them under their wing and showed them around town, which is gas. Even say that sentence is hilarious. So that was funny. There was kind of like a bit of a, you know, destiny in the making there with David Beckham, Admire and Tom Cruise. Um, or she does talk about her weight and it was obviously widely criticised and narrated in the, the media her, how skinny she was um, which is just obviously an awful time to look back on I think it really was wild when you think how women were treated in the early 90s the mid 90s still are obviously but I think the British media in the early 90s were just on a different level she was massively criticised for her weight um, but she does kind of talk about that in the documentary but I think one thing that her mom says obviously her mom features a lot as well in this one because she's everywhere they really are like the Von Trapps like they're a traveling group and um, her mom says she's criticized more than any other female in the country which is kind of sad to think back on because like it's wild to think that she was so hated really by the public and the media because she didn't really she was just a famous person like what do we expect from famous people glamour money designer gowns like I do I don't know what the whole thing was. I think it was just more so the media. Like the money that the British press would make off the Beckhams was absolutely wild. Like it really, really, really was. And I think they touched on that in the new Beckham documentary. Those two paparazzi guys, the brothers, they said basically like it was all encompassing because, you know, you had your like sports fans, your soccer fans, and then you had your music fans, your pop culture fans. So it was literally everyone. The Beckhams appealed to everyone. And as well, you have to think back. This was when people used to buy newspapers. And like your in would be the image that you'd see on the front page. You know, like that's why I'm buying this because I can't see these images anywhere else necessarily. Or I can't read the story. It wasn't, you know, the Twitter days or social media. So I think it was just the perfect storm. So it's definitely just a PR exercise into her own life, her personal life, trying to be, you know, the mom, the pop star, the wife, the daughter, the sister, the girl who does it all. And she actually does it all. Um, she really fucking does. I think she's absolutely amazing. I think she's really, really funny. In this documentary, like she's obviously been hilarious her whole life, but I think people are only really taking her sense of humor 
seriously now after the Netflix documentary because I think that was the first time a lot of people saw that and I don't mean to be like I was always a fan of hers but I really was so I always knew how funny she was but I think it's really really nice just to see that come across especially in her early days you know I think she's still kind of a bit insecure about herself definitely about her recording career um, but she always has like a real quick comeback or a clapback or a one-liner and I think she's still known for that to this day um, so it was nice to see the kind of younger her in her silliness and hair let's talk about hair in this documentary she kind of mostly sports a black bob just kind of cut along the neck but always slick back like she doesn't part it and wear it down by her face it's always slicked back off the face as if she just had like a hairband in it but there doesn't really seem to be a hairband she kind of defies the laws of grav um but that's kind of her vibe when she does her performances when she's trying to get the singles out there my loves she is usually wears like long wigs or loads of extensions so that's where we're at with the hair color wise it's just kind of a dark brown it's definitely not her natural brown but it is a dark brown and to be honest it's probably my least favorite of any of her hair looks i don't think it did the most it's fine her eyes pop her bone structure is amazing and with her hair back over her face you definitely see that but it doesn't do the most for me Anyway, um, I don't really remember this, but there seemed to have been a Jerry Springer show in the UK where he would interview celebrities. Anyway, she goes to record the show and they ask her, basically, he asks her, who would you save if Alex Ferguson and Jerry Hollywell were drowning? She said, neither. I'd sail off and let them both drown. And she's like, fuck, I should not have said that. So basically, she's like, guys, please, can we cut this out of the show? And they're like, okay, we'll cut it out of the show. But she hated Jerry Springer. She really thought he was violent. She said he looked down her dress. He was just a bit violent. Kept kind of coaxing her. Obviously, that's his whole thing. I think he's definitely that kind of American, like, I don't give a fuck. I can ask you anything, person. And I think she's like, I'm Victoria fucking Beckham. You'll ask what you're told to ask. Anyway, she hated the experience, but they did cut it from the show. But of course, the leaky leaks got out and it was all over the front page of the paper the next day. And like I said, obviously, her and Jerry were kind of really at each other at this time. There was a lot of bad blood there. And like, essentially, if you think about it, like, Alex Ferguson was, was David Beckham's boss. It's like literally putting up like an Instagram story up, criticizing your, not even criticizing, saying that you'd fucking leave your fellas boss for dead. Like imagine that nowadays. It's wild. So she's kind of pursuing her solo career throughout the documentary. Like I said, she's a busy mum doing it all. She performs at GAY, which was a staple in the early 90s. If you had an album to promote or a single to push, you did a performance at GAY and the girlies queued for the whole day to get up to the front, especially for a fucking solo Spice Girl. Um, But it's really camp and really gorgeous. She's wearing one of her long wigs and she's uh, serenading David, who probably isn't even in the audience because could you imagine he'd be eaten alive singing a song called I Owe You and it's all about love and it's all very sensual and gorgeous and camp and over the top. And I really wish I could say that I saw Victoria Beckham at GAY. Anyway, they do touch on infidelity whispers within the documentary because there has been so many. And like only like when I was researching, I realized how many infidelity rumors there were. Like this was the, the era, we'll say, of the kiss and tell, where people were essentially paid to say that they had sex with certain people. So a lot of it was bogus. But there was a lot of stories about David that were all kind of pretty cohesive um, in their own ways that I won't get into. But, ugh, yucky. I suppose as a family, they just kind of decide that they choose their battles. But they do kind of mention it in the same way as they do in the Beckham documentary. Now, this documentary is before Rebecca Lewis. So it wasn't actually the big profile story that we kind of could attach, you know, a real name and face to it. But there was um, accusations previously. But they do kind of just gloss over it. And she's just like, people just fucking hate us. And people do just fucking hate them, you know? So I think it's a bit of both. Guys, there's a clip in this documentary. It's absolutely wild to think back on. Like for so many reasons. There's so many elements. It could be a whole episode in itself. But basically, she's performing a party in the park in Birmingham, right? She's performing Not Such an Innocent Girl. And then the next day, I just could not believe the backlash. I mean, it's a piece of jewellery. Victoria's been keeping her lips firmly sealed today after appearing with a new bit of jewellery at a concert. She was wearing a lip ring, although she hasn't actually had her lip pierced. Not much consolation, though, for the parents of teenagers wanting the same look. It's on this six o'clock news. Like, it's wild. It goes everywhere and there's a massive brouhaha, which I just think is so crazy. At one stage, Katie Price, then known as Jordan, even chimes in and says that she's a bad role model for young girls. 
let that sink in my love I'm gonna leave that one there this is when Victoria really kind of steps into her fashion era I think Dolce and Gabbana appear in the documentary which is kind of random but they really were the girlies at the time we won't really speak on them now but they were the ones and I think just to have them even in the documentary like they've obviously always endorsed her and worked with her and invited her to shows but they were really fucked with Vicky B at the time which is perfect because she definitely kind of has that Milan will we say sensibility about her I think um so that was just kind of funny to see. I just was like, oh my God, is that Dolce & Gabbana? And also Maria Gratchvogel is in it as well. And she's kind of like, she says something really crazy. Like she's like, yeah, well, you know, so what? Like she's lost the dress size, you know, who cares? When I met her, she was like a size eight and now she's like a size six, you know? I'm just like, oh my God, fashion, 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 fashion. Give it to me. Um, Really harrowing. Brooklyn receives a lot of death threats. Like security is tight. Um, I read Victoria Beckham's autobiography and basically <laughs> it's cuckoo bananas by the way I definitely would read it if you have a spare like two years it's like 700 pages or something ridiculous released in 2001 so it's actually also around this time but it profiles like her you know her childhood and like the Spice Girls and stuff there's lots of really lovely moments in it but it's just crazy anyway she talks about one time she's in David's house and she's looking for batteries or something and she opens up a drawer and she finds two bullets with both their names on it. And she's like, what the fuck is this? Like, she probably thought it was fucking Harry Winston or something, jewellery. And he's like, oh yeah, that came through the letterbox. Like, of course he says it like that, fucking dull spice, dopey spice. But I just thought that was so funny, but not funny, obviously, but like crazy. Like, like that was the era that they were living in. There was actual death threats. Security was rife. And I'm not going to get too into it because I feel like it's a whole episode within itself. But I definitely would say either read the book, listen to it on Audible, or even just read the celebrity memoir recapping of the book because they talk about this a lot basically they employed this like top security guy he said you know they need like next level like royal family level security and they're like yeah we do he's like i'm the man for the job they take him on he's amazing at the start everything is like secure within an inch of its life they like feel really happy feel really safe then he kind of starts acting a bit weird he's taking pictures of brooklyn she's like you can't do that he starts like lying about things and then it all comes out essentially that Andrew Morton, who famously ghost wrote Princess Diana's book, was working with this guy and he was leaking everything, every single thing about their life, every single aspect was being written down for this book, this massive celebrity tell-all book. Like it would have been the tell-all book of all tell-all books. Like your man was living in the house with them. And he was conspiring to um, to write this book, Andrew Morton, like crazy, like awful, such a violation. Anyway, the book never got written, never got published because they brought your man to court. He had signed an NDA, but he had it on him basically because that was his job to keep that. And they were like, no, you signed it. And he's like, no, I didn't. And they're like, fuck, we didn't have a copy of that, which is crazy to think of. But they did, I don't know, I think it was like the piece of paper that was underneath the NDA that was signed. They had that. So they could trace over it and then they could like detect that he did sign it at one stage. So anyway, that was the end of that. But it is kind of a crazy story. So I definitely would read the book, listen to the book or just the recap, the top line notes, my love. Um, But a really, really lovely documentary. I think it definitely gets her personality across. I think it's when she kind of starts to realize that the public do actually love her. It's just the media that are really, really horrible. They obviously want to see her fall. But also I think it was when she kind of just kind of started to grow in confidence as a woman, regardless of whether she was promoting an album or she was talking about doing fashion, she just kind of was in her bag. And yeah, it was a nice watch. It's very, very comforting to for me to even look back just on those times, like, you know, the era of like party in the park, you know, the way the girlies would promote their albums. Like it's just so gorge to look back on. Maybe they thought like Madonna was coming into town or something. Okay, so next on the list is the real stylized as Real Beckham's, which was released on December 23rd, 2003, um, which profiles the move to Madrid. So obviously, guys, I don't need to tell you, we've all seen the, the new Beckham documentary. Everyone knows how much of a massive deal this was. This was absolutely huge. It was everywhere. So of course, they invited a film crew to follow them around, which I'm so happy they did, because this is actually my favorite of all the Beckham documentaries. It's really extensive. There's no real arc. It kind of goes nowhere. It's just totally fly on the wall. But this is when, in my eyes, Victoria was at her most iconic. All I can say is extensions. Guys, oh 
my god this era was cuckoo bananas next level insane intense crazy omg wild like there has to be there has to be six full heads of extensions in her head and it was that time she was just wearing really really long kind of chestnut horsey brown and it's just like all pushed to one side at all times now meticulously wanded like waved loose wave more so towards the ends but just nearly like matted all to one side and just like hanging there and she thought she was it no she was it people say why do i still do what i do with the success of the spice girls david brooklyn the money the fame why do i keep doing it and it's because it's in my blood and I love what I do. I have to perform. She really was. She's wearing like tiny little kids, like Superman t-shirts with like the low, low, low rise Rock and Republic jeans. Oh, she was everything super, super tanned. Obviously she was in Madrid. Like she just, this is one of my favorite eras. It's not my favorite Victoria Beckham era, but one of my favorite Victoria Beckham eras. And that's kind of why I love this documentary so much. Like I said, it kind of goes nowhere. It's just, I think she kind of leans into the flash of the whole thing, the money. I think she's kind of like, you know what, I'm over trying to be, you know, the nice, busy mom who's also a pop star. She's like, I'm Victoria fucking Beckham. I'm an icon. I'm a legend. I'm the moment. I've got loads of money and I don't care. I'm going to put it out there how I spend it. And that she does. Like, there's lots of really camp moments. She basically goes to Jacob the Jewelers. Do you guys remember Jacob the Jeweler? Can we talk about Jacob the Jeweler? Can we talk about Jacob the jeweler? So he was the watch guy. And literally she refers to him as the man who makes all the watches in the documentary. But remember those watches in the early 90s to mid 90s? They were like a colorful leather strap. So be that like blue, green, red, yellow. And then like Brazilian gazuntite diamonds in the middle in like a circle or a square. And then like little watches within that. And it was always just really colorful and flashy, but like crazy amount of diamonds. Anyway, she goes and she's buying watches with Jacob the jeweler. And she's like, David Furnish, Elton John, Justin Timberlake. She just keeps name dropping all these people that she knows have his watches. She's like, we was at dinner with Justin Timberlake and he had the circle one. He was just like, oh my God, yes, Victoria. Yes. That kind of seems to be the whole thing really in this documentary. They're buying the house. They're looking for the house in Madrid. They go food shopping. Like she's never ever food shopped before in her life which is just really funny to watch her run around with the extensions of flowing. She actually wins Style Icon of the Year at the 2003 British Style Awards, which is amazing because Kim Cattrall is sitting beside her. Like, she's the guest of the night as well. And she looks absolutely amazing. She really does. And I think she's just really fully in her bag at this stage. She knows she's an icon. She's just really going for it. And she's kind of leaning into the camp of the whole thing, which ultimately will prove... um, the final documentary which is Victoria Beckham coming to America but more on that shortly she's recording a mystery album throughout this documentary kind of goes nowhere we actually do know it went nowhere because she never came out with a second album but she is in the studio a lot I can't help but think is that just for the documentary to be like I'm a singer there's a clip in this documentary where she's sitting in the back of a car and she's going through her makeup bag and she's just really funny because it's like that era of the really long kind of square French manicure the extensions like I keep saying and MAC makeup is the reigning supreme makeup brand. And she's like going through her bag, showing the guys like this, this, this is that, this is my compact. She's always looking at her compact. She's always looking at herself. But she basically, she gets a voice message from Jerry Halliwell. She's like, oh my God, Jerry Halliwell. And she's kind of like, you know, listening to it and making faces as if to say, Jesus, this one never stops talking. But I just think it's so nice to see that they're back on talking terms. And she actually says about Jerry that she's one of the only girls that she still talks to. So to go from the Being Victoria Beckham documentary to now, they've obviously made up. She says that she hosted the girls for a lunch in her house and they all made up and hugged and danced around the kitchen to their album. Um, I can't help but wonder what album it was. It definitely wasn't forever, let's just say that. It's nice to hear that they reconnected and that she still talks to Jerry and she talks to Jerry the most out of any of them. One of my favorite parts in this whole documentary is she goes to Harrods and she essentially closes Harrods down and it's literally just her and her hair makeup artist who are constant in her life, as you would imagine would be in Victoria Beckham's life. But they're running around and she's literally just like, I want that, I want that, I want that. She just keeps saying, I'll have this one, Alex, please. I'll have this one, Alex, please. And she's just pointing at random things. I mean, I know 
all these stories that are in the papers that we've bought this and we've bought that and we've spent so much money on jewellery and cars. People pick up the newspapers and believe that. But 99% of it is totally not true. Like, that is literally like the ultimate fantasy. Could you imagine just running around Harrods, being able to pick out anything you want? Like, I'm not saying that she could, because I don't think anyone could really do that in Harrods. But like, it's just outrageous. She's like piling up bags upon bags upon bags upon bags into the Range Rover. And it's just like fully nouveau riche, uncouth, gorgeous, look how rich I am. That's what I want from the Beckhams. It's amazing. There's also allegations of David's cheating in this one, which we won't talk about. We already have. Um, but it does seem to follow them around for their life, ultimately. David receives an OBE and they go to, I don't know, the Queen's house, the palace. To, what would you say? To receive that. And it's so funny because like, if anyone is happy about this, it's Victoria. Like She is elated running around. All the family are there. His mom and dad, her mom and dad, his siblings, her siblings. Like, everyone is there, which seems to be the case, which is actually really nice when you think about it because, um, you know, family forever. But she's delighted about the whole thing. Like, he doesn't give a fuck. He just keeps saying, uh, it's a proper Willy Wonka hat about his hat that he's wearing because he's wearing a top hat. Dull spice, uninspiring spice, but cutie spice all the same. She is delighted. No, she looks amazing. She's wearing um, a Philip Tracy headpiece during the Connacht Hotel and she is just elated running around. She's absolutely delighted. It's a really nice documentary. Like I said, she's kind of leaning into her camp bag, which is amazing. She's kind of playing up to the cameras. She knows that she looks ridiculous. She knows that we want her to look ridiculous. And she leans into that. I think that's always kind of been her biggest talent is just leaning into the iconicness of the whole thing and just giving us what we want as fans. I absolutely love this one. It is my favourite one. They do always seem to have trouble with uh, property and houses. That's just been a constant. Just issues with like mortgages. Like not that they obviously don't have enough money to pay for mortgages. But just like brokers falling through. Contracts falling through. She talks about a special Beckham price that people seem to have. Which I can only imagine is ludicrous when you are so famously like filthy rich. Um, so I feel like it's constantly, you know, Mercury is always in retrograde for the Beckhams. Because things kind of fall through. Um, but they do end up getting a gorgeous house. And that's kind of the first time that you see David be so anal about his wardrobe. I don't know what it is with that man. Look, we won't go there. But it really, really is an amazing documentary. I was completely shocked and devastated because I was wearing flat shoes. Okay, guys, into the last documentary of the episode, Victoria Beckham coming to America, which was released on the 17th of July, 2007. It's Honestly, guys, I feel like people probably know this documentary because it goes around a lot. Like I see it on TikTok a lot. I see pictures pulled on Twitter a lot. This is when she's in her blonde, asymmetrical bob era, my love. Ash blonde with like a kind of a dark brown root. White pieces cut really, really tight on one side, almost spiky on top. Really, really tight at the back into sheer length on the right side like a massive drop Kunti O'Hara it's absolutely gorgeous so this is when they were going to America for the move to LA Galaxy and I really think this was really when they hit their stride I know in the Netflix documentary we kind of went to see how shite Galaxy were as a team but everything else was perfect like I said there was Tom Cruise there was Katie Holmes there was an ugly Betty appearance the designers, I just think it was absolutely amazing move for the couple as a whole. And Victoria Beckham was obsessed with saying the word major and everything. Like that is her go-to adjective. One lady at the luncheon, she had on like a powder blue trouser suit. She was major. There's a disclaimer at the very start of it, a la like the hills. You know, some of what they do has been set up purely for your entertainment. Which honestly, if I'm watching something and there's a reality disclaimer at the start of it, like I'm in. I am hooked. Consider me watching. Basically, the disclaimer at the start says the role of the assistant is played by an actress, which is perfect. I'm like, okay, this is the road we're going down. And as well, I realized in the credits that Kim Fuller is a producer on this. He was also a producer on America's Next Top Model. So that says it all. Um, basically, the documentary starts. They are shooting their W Magazine photo shoot in Madrid. Two of them have blonde bleach ups. Again, we're going in on the hair. Just perfect. What more could you want from the Beckhams? 
have to say that's an absolutely gorgeous shoe. I'd give that a little Google if I was you. Um, it really is fab. The pictures are absolutely gorgeous. They just look so fucking sexy. So such a new era for them. They're in their blonde American era. I could not have been more excited. It was everything. So when she gets to America, she's in a rental. And the whole point is that she needs to find a house for her and her family. Again, always house hunting. I don't know how she did it. Um, but she's in a rental and she's laying out by the pool. And she's in her heels and like the most amazing swimsuit that had to have been actually steel bone corseted because she looks snatched. She looks so good. And she's literally just posing and being silly. It's like a fashion film. It really is a fashion film in my eyes. Like you could totally call it a fashion film. It's outrageous. It's over the top. It's all hair. It's all makeup. It's all clothes. It's absolutely gorgeous. And she's just being really camp and like, you know, tongue in cheek about her stance and like her the way she's viewed in the media and in the public of just being this big sex doll blonde bimbo who's just obsessed with fashion and doesn't really know how to do anything i think people probably see me as a miserable pouty bitch to be completely honest so the fake assistant comes and she gives her a fake interview and it's like all the while you know it's so fake but that's what makes it even better do you get me it's just fucking exceptional um she goes about getting her american driver's license to go to the dmv there's a whole paparazzi chase that they film which i'm like how did they manage that like the car nearly goes off the road and like guys this is the time of paparazzi chases like we've all seen it we all saw with britney spears paris hilton lindsay lohan like every single day there was a car wreck in the fucking hollywood hills and it was harrowing and scary but it's also really gorgeous to look back on Anyway, they orchestrate this big paparazzi chase. She gets pulled over by a cop. It's really, really camp. She looks amazing, obviously. She's devastated because she's wearing flats. She's begging them not to take her picture. It's iconic. Um, she goes to the DMV. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Is it DMV or DNV? To get her picture taken for her license. Oh. <laughs> no, my hair looks flat. Can I do another one? This is the DNV. We can't... Uh, That's not... Oh, you don't do retouching. Guys, you know what you can actually liken this to? It's like Victoria Beckham does like a Borat or a Bruno. She's playing a character. It's half real. It's also so outrageously not real. But then you kind of... The lines are blurred. It's that kind of vibe. Is that not just perfect? Like, what more could you want from in a documentary? It's absolutely chef's kiss. Um, it's so funny when she's at the... Uh, when she's at the DMV, right? The, the manager's name is Bill. She's doing her test, like a written test, and she keeps asking her friends what are the answers for things. And your man comes down and he goes, Victoria, I'm watching you. And she just looks up at him and she goes, I'm watching you too, Bill. <laughs> it's fucking gas. She's just so fucking funny. Oh, I love her so much. Um, she goes to visit Perez Hilton, who obviously was covering her arrival in LA, which was so camp and over the top as well. Like the way they produced it, basically, they must have had like Victoria, her gen, like Victoria her team, and then the fake team. They're all these like men clad in suits who are obviously just brought on for production value, but they all do ascend on LAX airport. So there is about 19,000 of them. And then there's obviously like actual paparazzi and then there's stage paparazzi. So there is like a million people bundling through LAX and it is very, very, very gorgeous. Um, but anyway, Prez Hilton covered that when she landed and she goes to meet Prez in a coffee shop and she's like, you know, what have you been saying about me? And he's like, I said this and I said that. And it's like so funny to just think back on Perez Hilton. Like, what the fuck was that all about? But like, this was the stage where he was getting like 25 million hits a day on his blog. Like, it was crazy. He coined her arrival in LA as alien invasion, which is so true. Because she was totally playing up to that kind of really over the top high fashion look at the time. It was all about latex, corsets, tits up to her chin. Like I said, the blonde bob, cheekbones for days outrageously high heels like she was serving um but it's funny it's tongue-in-cheek and i think it's just funny to look back and think back on that era now press hilton like what an absolute trip she then gets invited to the beverly hills socialites luncheon now guys is that a sentence or is that a sentence she gets invited to the beverly hills socialites luncheon even the word luncheon makes me fucking cackle what is a luncheon a luncheon it's such a like a you know those like like it's like real housewives like they have luncheons like it's like charity luncheon he didn't come to my luncheon she didn't come to my luncheon we're having a luncheon it's like what the fuck is a luncheon like it's just having a lunch anyway she gets invited to the beverly hills socialite luncheon 
And obviously this is going to be absolutely hilarious. So she arrives, she makes a pie, they make a balls of it on purpose, but it's not on purpose, but it is, and it's amazing and we don't care. Anyway, she arrives at the luncheon and she's greeted by Suzanne Hughes, who is the host of the luncheon, who is the ex-wife of the Herbalife founder, Mark Hughes. Um, really, really outrageously rich woman in LA who I actually wish was cast on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I'm like, why was she not on there? She's the image of what you would expect from a Beverly Hills housewife. Like so much so that she actually has an oil painting of herself hanging over her fireplace, a la Cher's mom in Clueless. Like that's the real person. This isn't staged. Her home is real. These women are real. The Beverly Hills socialites are real. I think I'm going to do a follow-up episode. Where are they now? Like, where are the Beverly Hills socialites now? Anyway, they're all really, really lovely to Victoria. And it's actually really quite nice to see her engaging with them. They're like, we love all your songs. I think your fashion is just beautiful. Like, they really do love her. Like, imagine Victoria Beckham comes over to your house. It's crazy. They all get a bit locked. Or do they? Is it just production value? But they seem to get locked. And basically, guys, I'm not even going to say what happens next. I'm going to just put a little clip in. I would love to do my dolphin call for you because okay. nobody okay. believes I can do it, <laughs> do it until I do it. Who wants to hear it? Okay, okay. I've heard it. Okay. You're not going to believe it. And then you you're going to go, oh my God, she really does do it. That's fantastic. It kind of finishes off in a random one. So guys, if I say the following words, do they mean anything to you? Lisa Klein and Kitson. That's all I'll say. That is the mid-90s on lock. Oh my God, like Ed Hardy, Christian Odege, that kind of same buzz as well. Basically, Kitson was a shop in LA. Lisa Klein is a, was a boutique as well. Um, like that was where you went when you wanted to be photographed. Like all the early episodes of Keeping Up the Kardashians, they're hanging out at Kitson. Same thing with Paris Hilton. Like if you wanted your picture taken, you went to Kitson, Misha Barton, Paris Hilton, Nikki Hilton, the Olsen twins. It was that era of just the girlies running around LA, crashing their fucking CLKs into anything they could find. It was just an exceptional era. So of course, Victoria Beckham paid homage. And that's essentially what it is. It's a spiritual journey. Um, and paid a, paid a trip to Kitson and Lisa Klein. And there's just all these, you know, Hilarity ensues while she's trying on the clothes, like that kind of vibe. But like, that's perfect. It's exactly what I want. I think Bring Back Kitson, I really do. I think there's definitely a whole episode around Kitson in the future. But that was my favorite one because it's camp, but I really do like the, the real Beckhams because I just thought that was a really interesting time in their life. Lots to think about, lots to talk about. Yeah, what a couple. What an absolute power couple. I think she does not get the credit she deserves. Obviously, since then, she's gone on to launch her own line, Victoria Beckham, very successfully. I think she kind of builds up over the years, you know, like from the first documentary in 2002 to the documentary in 2007. I think that's kind of when the camp kind of really kicks off, when she starts really paying up to the camera, when she really starts discovering fashion, when she kind of really starts courting the gays. And I think what happened then, it was that the whole thing just blew up. I think with coming to America with the blonde look, it was just too much the star burnt out really it exploded it went everywhere covered her eyes in glitter and then she kind of was reborn and she was into her new era i just love seeing her get her chops and her flowers and just being revered as the absolute icon that she is i think she's funny and gorgeous and witty and intelligent and amazing and yeah thanks for coming to my ted talk guys I definitely think for further reading, um, watch the two World Cup documentaries. Like I said, I'll leave those in the show notes. I'm also going to leave a piece that was written on the lady who welcomed her into her home um, in the coming into or in the Coming to America documentary, Suzanne Hughes. There's a Vanity Fair profile on her, um, which I absolutely adored. It was wild. Um, as well, I think Victoria Beckham, just to say about her, she's extremely loyal. Like, she hates on Eddie Murphy so much in the Coming to America documentary. This was around the time when um, Mel B and Eddie had a, a baby together and he famously in an interview promoting Dream Girls, of all things. He was like, that baby's not my baby. That's, don't be so presumptuous. You don't know that that's my baby. It's like, oh God. Um, so much so that there was a paternity test and it was revealed that it is his baby and he does pay support and he's in the baby's life now. The baby's obviously not a baby. 
Angel, I think it is, um, is a young lady, but still, he just was a bit of an arsehole. He is an arsehole. He's done lots of shady things. We won't go there. But I love the way Victoria Beckham is always just saying how much of an arsehole he is. I'm like, go off, sisterin. That's girl power. Um, when they're making the, the pie for the Beverly Hills Socialites luncheon, she says that she'd spit in his food. I'm just like, go off, sis. But no, it really has. I think it's an amazing career tra- trajectory that she's been on. I think she's been through the absolute mill. I think she's been hounded by the media, um, by the paparazzi. I think she's remained loyal and kind and funny and gorgeous. And I just don't think we deserve her. I definitely bow at the altar of Beckham. And I'm not talking about David. So guys, thank you so much for listening. I've had a gorgeous time recording. I hope you have a gorgeous day, week, month, year. Um, Definitely tune in next week for whatever's next. I don't know. Please do like and share and really help me get this out there. Like I said, I'm in my new era and I really would love this to be a massive part of my life. And I'm having so much fun researching, putting it all together. And yeah, please do just fucking share the life out of it and let's, let's do it, baby. Thanks so much. Over and out. Take care. Thanks so much. Over and out.